few years ago, someone told me about deathclock.com, where you can punch in some basic information about yourself, such as your birth date, your height, your weight, and this site will tell you the exact date in which you will die. How's that for a pick-me-up sermon illustration? Just get things going. So this is uh, my information, my date of birth, and some things like that. They've got this drop-down menu mode uh, where you can basically give your outlook on life, and apparently that will dictate uh, the day in which you will die. A highly scientific, incredible website here. Um, but click, and away you go. And this is my personal day of death. So mark your calendars, Friday, February 26th, 2055, uh, which is kind of a bummer, that date, because I had a Zumba class all <laughs> lined up for that morning. So, And if that's not morbid enough on the live site, I was just afraid what ads would come up, so I didn't bring it live. But uh, those seconds actually count down uh, right in front of you, which is real. It's like a warm blanket. It just makes you feel so good. Uh, but it does serve its intended purposes at the top of the website that it is the Internet's friendly reminder that life is indeed slipping away. Uh, or maybe we could look at it from a more optimistic uh, mode or perspective in that how do we then make the most of the limited number of days that we do have on the planet uh, regardless of when that date actually comes? And so that's what we want to look at here a little bit today as uh, we've been in a series entitled Deeper, that as God has called us as a church to a bold vision to reach 10% of our community over the next 10 years uh, with the message, with a specific message, that regardless of when that death clock strikes zero, that the people of our community can know an eternal life, a life beyond just this temporary place, uh, eternal life with God in heaven through Jesus Christ. Uh, however, if we are going to effectively share with others the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, not only in this life and for all of eternity. If we're going to go uh, wider in sharing that in our community, well, we must first go deeper in our own lives as individuals and as a congregation that we might most effectively and, and authentically share with others what we are richly living in our own lives. Or as we've said it this way, the Lord will never call us to go wider and to reach wider in our lives or as a church without first calling us uh, alongside that to go deeper in our faith in him. And so we're looking at how we can go deeper, how we can uh, dive into, or cannonball as uh, pictured there, into uh, the deep end, we could say. We want to go into the deep end when it comes to uh, living lives uh, that are fully devoted to Jesus Christ. That's the mission of our church, that we would live lives fully devoted to Jesus Christ. And so we want to do that deeply, because what we don't want what we don't want to end up happening in our lives is, is, frankly, living lives in the shallow end. Because we all know what's at the shallow end of the pool, the baby pool, right? And as my older kids now know the reality of swimming with their younger siblings, the pee-pee pool. <laughs> we don't want to live life in the pee-pee pool. And so Ephesians 4 says it probably better. This way, reminding us that when it comes to our, our spiritual growth, our spiritual maturity, that we do want to become mature. We want to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. And in the original Greek here, the waves literally translated pee-pee pool, pee-pee pool. 
We will no longer be tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching and the cunning of craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And so that's the life we want to live. We want to live life in the deep end. We want to go deeper in maturity in our following of Jesus Christ. And here's what's really important as we pursue that in our lives. That when it comes to spiritual depth and spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity is not the result of theological information. It is not the result of just theological information because candidly, I know of, and I'm sure you know some people in your lives, that you could probably classify them as theological geniuses, but honestly, they're jerks. They don't live lives that reflect, they live lives, in fact, contrary to supposedly that which they so richly know about. And that is because spiritual depth is not the result merely of theological information, but instead the result of life transformation. Spiritual maturity is marked by life transformation, and your life is transformed when When every time that the Lord, this is how you can measure spiritual maturity in your life, when every time the Lord prompts you, leads you, asks you, directs you, you respond with yes. That is the mark of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, that when the Lord directs us, we obey. That is spiritual growth. Our obedience to him, not merely our knowledge about him, determines our spiritual maturity. And so last week, getting us started, Pastor Wayne talked how first we must go deeper in our heart. That regardless of the topics that we talk about here on the idea of going deeper in any facet of life, that it all starts with the heart. In fact, the Bible reminds us over and over again that out of the overflow of what's on the inside, of the overflow of our heart, life is lived. And so in obedience to that, we first were encouraged last week to reflect on God's goodness and his graciousness to us that we then might most naturally overflow that and be able to extend that more authentically and richly into others' lives. And then next week, we're going to look at what it looks like to go deeper in our lives with our financial resources, our money, to which you might be tempted to say, oops, I got a Zumba class next Sunday morning, so I'm not sure it's going to work out. So... Uh, But let me say this, that if today you would say of yourself, you know, I do want the Lord to actually be the Lord of every area of my life, well then would that not include the resources of life as well? Because know this, when it comes to the topic of money and faith, uh, to which arguably Jesus talked more about than any other, as you think about, uh, and we talk about things like generosity and tithing, and if you don't know what that word tithing, I heard someone say, what's a tithe? A tithe. It's like, oh, a tithe. A tithe is literally a tenth. It talks about giving a tenth of our income back to God, that which he has blessed us with. Um, but know this, when it comes to those topics that, you know, God isn't interested, you could say, in 10% of your resources. He's not interested in just 10%. Well, he's interested in God is the Lord of all. He's interested in 100% of the resources that he has given to us and how we use those and how we live those out. So you see in the Bible, yes, it talks about giving and generosity, but the Bible also has a whole lot to say about being wise in the way in which we look at debt, saving, how we spend, as well as being uh, wise and good at investing. And so Really the best way to understand the topic of church and money when all that comes together is not that when it comes to your money that God wants something from you. 
God does not want something from you. He doesn't need our money. But instead, God wants something for you. As he is Lord of everything that he has given us, he wants to see that lived well in all facets of how we use that. So you're going to hear a little bit more about that next week and, uh, and just some neat things in which how that's changed. Some of these truths have changed the lives of people right here in our congregation, and you'll get to hear from them some next week. So that's next week. But then today... What we want to look at specifically is how do we get deeper? How do we plunge into the deep end of following Jesus Christ when it comes to not the resource of our money, but the resource of our time? How do we go deeper in letting the Lord be the Lord over the time that he has given us? And it's even interesting to even label time as a resource, because that's certainly how it's talked about in our current society, that... uh, Unlike money, it's a, it's a very limited resource that you can always get more money, theoretically, uh, but you can't get more time. We've all been dealt the same 24 hours in a day, the same 168 hours in a week uh, that we all have to work with. And so while it is a limited resource, I think sometimes we can overuse that idea that it's a limited resource and be tempted to hoard our time because of that. But the Bible does speak to time being a limited resource. Uh, Because just as you could say deathclock.com is the internet's friendly reminder that life is slipping away, Scripture, too, also points to this really inevitable reality for us all. I mean, last time I checked, the statistics of uh, the mortality rate are still right around 100%. So uh, the Bible tells it to us this way, Psalm 39. Show me, Lord, my life's end, the number of my days. Let me know, in light of that, how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everything is but a breath, even those who seem secure. And so while no one really likes to talk about it, everyone knows that that day of physical death will indeed come. Or as uh, the country song puts it, uh, everybody want to go to heaven but don't nobody want to go today, if that makes sense. (laughs) And so recognizing this, that we do have a limited resource in the limited number of days that we have, we all want to make the most of those. We all want to uh, be good stewards of the time that God has given us. And that, that word steward, that's, that really just means uh, to manage or to, or to oversee. We want to oversee well the limited number of days that God has given us on the planet. Psalm 90.12 says it this way, teach us to number our days that we might with those days gain a heart of wisdom. And then Ephesians 5, and this really is our, our key passage that we're gonna hang the rest of the message on here this morning. It says it this way, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's interesting. I came across uh, this past week some ways in which we are all susceptible to unwisely and foolishly uh, can approach our time, the time that uh, we have been given. A recent study by Nielsen revealed that the average American adult spends more than 11 hours a day on electronic media. Over five of those hours watching television. 
That was mind-blowing to me. That I mean, you multiply that over seven days, that's over 35 hours a week that the average American adult numbs out in front of a television. Americans also spend, on average, uh, at the time of this study, because it, it showed it was climbing rapidly, over an hour a day on smartphones, on our little handheld devices, to which, um, and they're not talking about using them as, as telephones, but as all the other stuff that they do. And so, in light of this growing smartphone addiction reality that we all face, a friend of mine this past week showed me a new product, and it's a Kickstarter product, if you're familiar with those, uh, that's actually scheduled to be released this December, just in time for Christmas. So if you need some Christmas ideas, here you go, I've got one for you uh, on the house here today. It's called the No Phone. I'm going to read to you (laughs) from the product website. It says this. Phone addiction is real, and it's everywhere. It's ruining your dates, it's distracting you at concerts, it's disrupting you in movie theaters, it's clogging up sidewalks. Now, there is a real solution, the no phone. The no phone is a technology-free alternative to constant hand-to-phone contact. With its thin, light, and completely wireless design, the NoPhone acts as a surrogate to any smart mobile device, enabling you to always have, get this, a rectangle of smooth, cold plastic to clutch without foregoing any potential engagement with your direct environment. Never again experience the unsettling feeling of flesh on flesh when closing your hand. There's some directions, how it works. Pick it up, hold it. I'm not making this up. This is an actual product (laughs) that you can purchase. It is a 5.5 inch by 2.6 inch rectangular piece of plastic that you can buy for $15. Look at how the specs measure up uh, to the new iPhone 6. Screen resolution, none. (laughs) Storage. None. Battery life, still none. But shatterproof and waterproof, yes. And then uh, one more thing, and this is my favorite part, and I'll stop, I promise. Testimonial. I used to sleep with my phone in my hand, but my night terrors would cause me to hurl it across the room in an unconscious panic. With the no phone, I can still enjoy the comfort of holding a phone in my sleep without waking up to a shattered screen. Thanks, no phone. (laughs) David H. That's something. That the time we spend on our phones has actually led to a legitimate product that, if we're just honest, it is an adult pacifier (laughs) to wean us off the addiction that we have to our smartphones. And I wish I could stand before you preaching this as one who rises above all this. Um, I've been really self-conscious about grabbing my phone all morning. But the other day, I was reading out of my physical Bible uh, on the couch, and I normally read um, a little Bible application called YouVersion on my phone. And so I happen to have this one, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm reading. I get to the end of the page, and I kid you not, with my wife sitting next to me as my witness, I get to the bottom of the page,
That actually happened. <laughs> Ephesians 5. Look carefully then how you walk. And it's not talking about, you know, being careful about texting while you walk. It's saying, be careful how you live your life, how you walk out your days. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so, whether you can relate to these particular uh, examples today, whether TV or smartphones, the reality is, is each and every one of us in our given context, in our world of life, we all have, each of us, some propensity to some sort of time and life waster that we are tempted to give ourselves over to. And so, recognizing that we all have a temptation to unwisely or foolishly spend the days we've been giving, how do we then stop, pause, and be intentional with making the best use of the time, the best use of the days that God has given us here on this planet. Well, to do that, we must first start with the framework that we've been given. We must first recognize the various facets of the gift of life that God has given us to steward well. The late uh, Zig Ziglar, who is somewhat of a legendary business consultant and motivational speaker and follower of Jesus Christ, he spoke to it this way. He called it uh, the wheel of life, that when it comes to how we spend our time and energy, that if we want to be wise in the way that we are making the best use of the time, we are going to have to give attention to seven areas that make up what he calls the wheel of life. Those areas are our physical health, our intellect, our career, our financial situation, our social slash friendship situation, family, and spiritual. And then with that understanding, Ziegler takes it a step further, more specifically, to encourage that as you look at your wheel of life, to give attention to what area might you be lacking the appropriate time and energy uh, investment that you should be giving. Because uh, the reality is, is that no matter how strong even six out of the seven parts of the wheel are, if one of those is lacking... If one has a leak in it and it goes flat, well, any one of us who's ever had a flat tire with a nail in just one part knows, kerplunk, 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 the whole thing goes down. And so it's, uh, it's a helpful uh, illustration to look at the whole of our lives, not just specific areas. For example, um, say for you, maybe you're just knocking it out of the park in your career, and thus maybe doing well financially. But let's say you're doing that uh, at the neglect of your family. Well, then it is only a matter of time until that weakness shows up and you are sidelined your whole wheel, your whole life, uh, because of some sort of crisis on the back end, uh, maybe in your marriage, maybe with your kids, because you didn't make the appropriate investment on the front end. And so this is a helpful way to look at all the areas of life that God has given us to steward well. And so while I think this is a great illustration and I have nothing bad to say about it, um, there is one addendum that I, I want to I give to it that I think is a little more helpful in our context here this morning. And that is, rather than look at that particular um, spoke of the spiritual, if you will, that rather than seeing God and faith and the spiritual part of our lives as a spoke in the wheel, it would be better to look at the reality of what God has called us to be in our lives to put God, you could say, at the hub of the wheel. That God is not just part of our life's equation, 
But instead, he is, again, as we've said many times in many ways, he's to be the Lord of all, of every fast. We want him to be the Lord of every area of our life, that he can inform and dictate and inform all the rest of the wheel of life. Scripture points to this specifically in lots of places, but uh, one here this morning, Colossians 3.17, says that whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, essentially whatever you do in your career, in your family, in your finances, etc., do it all. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We want him to be the Lord of all of it. Another way to illustrate this uh, is something I did a number of years ago in a message, but there's been some time since then, and so some of you might not even remember it. It might be a good reminder. A lot of you have never seen it. Uh, but it's something that comes back to me as a really helpful illustration uh, to what it looks like to make God the center of our lives. Um, in that you could look at that wheel of life, and you could start to say, okay, how am I doing? And really what you have there, if you start to break up how you're investing your time, uh, is really a pie graph, uh, if you're familiar with pie graphs. Any lover of pie graphs in the room today? I've got a, a few bold hands, yeah, okay, a couple of Excel sheet addicts among us, okay, that's good. All right, math club, I know it's not many of us here, so uh, rather to give us more uh, holistic uh, statistical representation of the room, rather than pie graphs, how many in the room love apple pie? <laughs> apple pie, apple pie, yes, yes, thanks to giving as a coming, okay, um, so let's, let's do that. Got my little slicer thing. All right. Let's say, we'll use the pie graph rules of engagement, but let's say our life is made up uh, into an apple pie where you could slice up all the parts of your life that we just looked at in that wheel of life into several different categories. Now, based on how pie graphs work, that if you want to give your number one priority, the most energy, the most time to a given area, uh, such as the spiritual, we might say, then arguably that would be given the largest slice of pie, Correct? Isn't that how pie graphs work? Okay, that's cool. Just making sure. Uh-oh. It's all right. There goes my life. <laughs> but might I, might I suggest that God, to be the number one priority in your life, to be the Lord of all, actually doesn't want to be the largest slice of your life's pie? Might I further suggest that God actually doesn't want to be a slice of your pie at all. But instead, God, and we want God, to be the apples. We want God to be the apples. That if we want to do everything we do in this life as unto the Lord, we want him to be the apples. We want him to be the inside, the center of all of our life's slices of pie. And not just the good stuff, but the bad stuff that ends up in our life's pie as well. God wants to be the Lord of it all. He wants to be the apples. That whatever we do, whether in word or deed, you will then be able to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus and giving thanks to God through him. And so... As helpful or as unhelpful as the idea of God being the, the hub of our life's wheel or the apple of our life's apple pie, the real question we need to answer before we walk out of the room is, how? How do we functionally make that happen? How do we make the best use of the time that God has given us by allowing him to be the Lord of all? How do we practically make that happen in our lives? And so I want to leave you with a few ideas on how to do that. 
Number one, prioritize the apples. Prioritize the apples. And what we mean by that is prioritize first spending some quiet time with the Lord on a daily basis in his presence through the gifts of communication that he's given us, his word, the Bible, and prayer. Uh, to help kind of make this happen in other areas of life, uh, a number of years ago, um, I, I started kind of getting into time management books uh, that really helped just solidify the level of dork that I have attained when it comes to trying to organize how I spend my time. And uh, I had this idea, having at the time learned a little bit about financial budgeting, which really a financial budget is simply telling your money where it goes before it ends up gone, that, hey, I could, I could do like a time budget. Like, I could pre-plan every hour of my week before the hours actually happen. And so, going into my senior year of college, I created this uh, little time budget deal. And so, this is a look at that. I had scheduled out in my life uh, 40 hours for school. And so, that was hours both for being in class as well as studying. Also... I had 23.5 hours allotted for uh, working a part-time youth ministry that I was doing there. And then under personal were several categories, uh, that one in which we just spoke to. I had scheduled three hours a week, about 25 minutes a day, for quiet time to get into my Bible and to pray. And I would do that each morning. Then from there, I scheduled out some exercise, some meals. Uh, I love this as I was looking back on it. Getting ready. It's like, okay, I actually scheduled time to put pants on. <laughs> which is what you want to do before leaving the house. So you got to get that done. And then I got to clean the pants, laundry, uh, QT. Is that, yeah, that meant quality time uh, with Jessica, my then fiance, now wife. And then I budgeted some time for sleep and then a little whatever time. And so uh, as fun as creating this little document was on a rainy Saturday afternoon before the school year actually started, uh, what do you think actually happened come Monday when life began? <laughs> yeah, it ended up at the bottom of a pile of the real world. Uh, and you could say. And so while, you know, I like to plan and, and I know a lot of us want to plan and be intentional with lots of things. And uh, the reality is, as we all know, that as much as we try, we cannot predetermine with very much accuracy how every hour of a week will actually happen. Even if we try, we all know Monday morning hits us in the face like a fire hose in all respective contexts. But here's what I learned. While this is worthless, and you might not be able to schedule everything you do. You can't predetermine every hour of every day. You can be intentional with some of those hours. You can be intentional with the most important things rather than the 11 hours a day that we can waste on media. We can be intentional with the areas that God has given us in our wheel of life. We can be intentional to our end today and to this point. We can be intentional in prioritizing the apples. And so let me put it this way. Let's say for you, uh, when it comes to your life's pie chart for any given day, that out of the 24 hours in a day, that you would say, you know what, I'm really spending no minutes, you know, in God's word or praying. Well, you could start by spending five minutes a day with God in his word and praying, to which five minutes might not seem like not much. I mean, it's one-third of 1% of your full day, but it's an exponential increase from no minutes, right? And so you could start with just five minutes a day of looking at God's word and begin praying. And the reality of why five minutes or 15 minutes or whatever you can give to it will make such an exponential difference is because God wants to bless that time. He wants to be the apples to all of your life's pie. 
And so what I've discovered, I know many of you have, when you've done this and maybe you've fallen off the wagon a little bit with trying to commit to this, is that you've experienced, and if you haven't, you should, that when you invite God into a small slice, even five minutes a day, in his word and prayer, there's something about that that infuses the rest of the day, that um, invites God into, that determines and dictates and helps allow him to kind of set the stage for how you're going to respond and interact and live out the rest of your day. And so, um, again, the good, the bad, or the ugly. And so a little tool to help you with that, um, we actually have up on the, on the website to do what Jesus said, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, to seek first uh, the apples that we might in the wheel and the details of life, Jesus said, all these things be added unto you. And so if you go to firstdecatur.org, there under resources, you'll see uh, one of the resources is uh, that Bible app that I was joking about on my phone. Uh, it really is a very helpful tool, not just for reading the Bible, because if you're like, man, I don't like reading the Kindles and the digital stuff, that's not for me. Uh, really the, um, the bread and butter of that isn't so much the actual reading of it, uh, but more so uh, the reading plans that it offers. And if you go into that, and you go this on a computer or a tablet or phone, there's all different ways you can get to it. Sorry, not no phone compatible, but all the others are good. You'll find reading plans that if you can say, okay, I can commit to like a five-day deal. They've got reading plans that are a five-day thing, just little bite-sized things that you can do for five days. They've got things all the way up to two years if you're in it for the long haul, if you're a marathoner. Uh, they also have plans that will give you literally something to read for a minute a day, or something that if you've got much more time. And so there's all kinds of plans with different goals. Uh, and so I, I found it very helpful to kind of guide my time because the Bible's thick and it's sometimes hard to know where to start other than just the beginning. And so I'd encourage you to check out uh, version. And then one other bonus, uh, for you non-reader readers, uh, some people have really stumbled into this that have helped them a lot, who didn't know they need to be in God's word, but you just can't stand to read. On that application, both you know, in all the different forms, are actually uh, dynamic narrations of several different translations that are offered there. And so you can listen to the Bible uh, right there in your earbuds while you're you know, doing housework or drive time. It can be a great way to use your commute, stuff like that. So hopefully that will be helpful to you in prioritizing the apples in your life's pie that God would be the Lord of all. Okay, another way that you can do this, a second way that the Lord encourages us in Ephesians 5, to make the best use of the time, not as unwise, but as wise, is to secondly, and this might surprise you, rest. What does the Lord want you to do? He wants you to rest. You see, for many of us in our culture where busyness is acutely tied to our sense of who we are based on, the, and that's a whole other topic in and of itself, but when it comes to going deeper in our devotion to following Jesus Christ, for many of you, it's not a question of what do you need to do, but it's a question of what you need to not do. Where do you need to build into your life rest? In fact, this is more than just a suggestion. Uh, I was uh, joking around with Dave Campbell, who's a, a beloved uh, Wednesday night equipped teacher around here uh, about this topic, and he's like, you know, it is one of the Ten Commandments which is true, uh, that Sabbath, that uh, spiritual rest is one of the Ten Commandments. You see things like, you shall not lie, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder. And it's like, okay, copy that. Important things to avoid. Do not murder today. That would be helpful for my life. But right there alongside those big ones, Exodus 20, verse 8, one of the commandments, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath a rest to the Lord your God. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God actually commands us to rest. Uh, For another look at it, um, for those of you, uh, I kind of look at this, um, I read a book recently by Craig McEwen uh, entitled Essentialism. Uh, While not a Christian book, per se, it does help to take a hard look at how do we make the best use of our, if it's our view, our God-given time uh, here on the planet. And so the author, what caught my eye was he was really speaking to those who were actually most fueled in their inner, pro, like their inner life by actually productivity and achievement, that that was what fuels them. And thus, as a result, the most likely candidates to neglect things like rest and recreation. And he points this first off, A, and many of you know this, but I'll, it bears reminding, that research actually supports that a committed weekly rhythm of work and rest actually leads to greater productivity, that you actually accomplish more with some intentional less, if you will. But then B, for, this is what really caught my eye, that the opportunity, therefore, for those of you who struggle with this, who uh, you, know, you know this reality, you know that this is important, but you just really struggle. You're just, you, know, you're, you drink too much workahol, if I can use it that way. Is that for you overachievers who have a lot of discipline to, quote, achieve, that you can then harness that discipline, knowing these facts, knowing what the research says, knowing what the Bible says, you can actually discipline yourself to achieve then rest. Use your gift and your, and your discipline for achievement to achieve rest, to achieve play, to achieve more hours of sleep in a night, to achieve a nap, to achieve a Sabbath day, a day of rest, a day off, trusting that the Lord wants to do more in six days than you can do in seven because he commanded it that way. And so that's the irony is that achievers, you can actually achieve more with less when you achieve more rest in your lives. And you're gonna do it again. It's great that the research supports this, but I love that this is how God established it first at creation that we can actually do more for him, for his kingdom, how he wants us to live in a healthier way when we have that rhythm of work and rest. Okay. So if we want to use the best days, uh, they're the best use of our time in the days we've been given. We want to prioritize the apples. We've got to build in rest. And then thirdly, out of the overflow of that, we want to then in our doing, obey the Lord. We want to obey the Lord in our doing because we can't just leave it at information. Because spiritual growth is not merely a result of information, but a result of life transformation. And that's deepened when we actually obey God in all that we do as well. And so when you build in and when you prioritize the apples and the margin in your life to actually hear from God through his word and prayer and the margin of some rest to just block out all the input that comes from the world, even if you have to do it with two no phones in your hand. When you build in that margin, we then have, as Pastor Wayne said last week, the ability to embrace that largesse of heart that he called it, that we can, as it says in Psalm 46.10, be still, be still and know that I am God. To, as it says in 1 Kings, to hear the still, small voice of God. To hear his voice. And that out of the overflow of that, as you give your attention to his Holy Spirit, 
in your life, through that margin, he will then lead you in your doing. He will lead you in all of the wheel of life that you have. He will lead you as the apples to all of your life's pie that we might, Ephesians 5 again, make the best use of the time. Not as unwise, but as wise. Therefore, not as foolish, but in understanding, and not just understanding, but actually living out what the will of the Lord is. That's what he wants for you. It's what he wants for me. It's what he wants for us. And uh, recognizing that we need him to do it, uh, I invite you to stand with me, and uh, we can pray about this together. And to start off that prayer and to actually pray together, uh, I'm going to ask that we pray this verse uh, over our lives and over our church here today. Let's pray this as we read this together. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Lord, as we sang earlier this morning, that recognizing when that day of strength, uh, that day when our strength is failing and the end draws near and our time has come, that yes, we will live in your presence for 10,000 years and then forevermore. Or as the old hymn says, that uh, when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining uh, as the sun. And in light of eternity, as you remind us in your word, may we not merely store up for ourselves temporary achievement with the time that we've been given. But instead, in everything we do, with you as the hub of our wheel, as the apples of our life pie, may we do everything unto you, giving thanks to you, and thus storing up uh, eternal treasure, eternal investments, not just for our own lives, but for those whom which you have called us to represent you well in, uh, in our community, in our families, in every context that you have led us to. May we represent you well in the time that we have given, uh, been given by you. We need your help, and that's why we pray. In the name of Jesus.